Hello, and welcome to the Hearth and Hedge podcast, Merry Meet. My name is Amberly, And I'm Margot, and we are very happy to have you today. Uh, I want to start off by introducing our guest today. They are known as Chaotic Witch Aunt on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and also uh, the Books and Broomsticks podcast. They also have a new book titled Spells for Change, a guide for modern witches, Please welcome Frankie Castanea. Frankie, would you be so kind as to tell us a little bit about your wonderful witchy self and also about your recently released book? Hi, I'm Frankie Castanea. I am a content creator and podcaster, and I guess people would use the term influencer, but I don't, or witchfluencer the like little witch in front, but I don't know if I necessarily would describe myself that way. I'm a folk practitioner and my newest book coming out, I think April 26th, is a book that I created for beginner witches and people picking up a witchcraft book or witchcraft for the first time, laying a foundation for all different types of witches to start their practice. So your book is targeted towards younger witches getting started? Would you say that um, more advanced witches could find, you know, plenty of material in there that they could appreciate as well? I would like to think so. I think that there's some fun little niblets. Is that a word? Niblets? Niblets? It is now. Yeah. Um, But it really depends, I think, because some people, I mean, I honestly think that there's something to be gained from every book you read. I agree. I think that... A lot of people, well, a lot of people, I think, value my perspective on things, and I'm hoping that some people will like it because it's my perspective. I also tried to include things that you typically wouldn't see in witchcraft beginner books, and that may be something that's appreciated by the more advanced witches who've been around for a pretty long time. Definitely. Before we go too much further into the interview, should we talk about what we're all reading lately? Yeah. Sure. Frankie, you want to start? Tell us what you're reading. I'm reading um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, I think is what it's called. It's a fiction book. And I'm also, read- I'm also reading uh, A Blood and Bones, which is like the more witchy book that I'm into right now. Um, but this this Invisible the Invisible Life of Addie LaRue uh, is written by the same author as The Time Traveler's Wife, which is a favorite book of mine. Okay. And it's all about someone who gets forgotten by every single person they meet, which is interesting. I'm kind of just getting into it, but that sounds I'm really reading. interesting and yeah. horrifying. That sounds sad. <laughs> it's a little horrifying. Yeah. Amberly, what are you reading? Um, actually, so I am working on reading uh, Once Around the Sun by Ellen Everett Hopman. Uh, and illustrated by Lauren Mills. It's actually um, a book about the will of the year and stories from all the cultures around the country and in history that um, celebrate the wheel of the year. It's really a cute little book, actually. It tells a story for each Sabbath from one of the cultures. It's super cute. I love it. And Frankie, so before uh, Margot came on the podcast, This podcast was actually geared more towards just families. So a lot of the books that I'm reviewing now, not just families, but like which families. Mm -hmm. A lot of the books that I I have received to review are like family oriented witch books. (laughs) So that's why I have this one, even though my kids are both teenagers and 
one of them is like witchcraft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is like a super, super cute little book. It's got some super fun stories and the illustrations are adorable. And I absolutely, absolutely love it. I love a good illustrated witch book. I know yeah. that. I just, I love them. Children's books about witches, I will buy them and read them to myself. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. They're amazing. I love them. And I love that they're becoming more common. Yeah. Me too. How about you, Margo? What you got on your bookshelf today or your nightstand? This is going to become a pattern because I am reading this because Amberly described it as her first witchy book a couple episodes ago and I was inspired because I had never read it. So I am reading Dancing with Dragons by DJ mm-hmm. Conway. Um, so probably next time I'll be reading the la- the latest book that you, <laughs> that you described because every time someone talks about a book, it just stays in here until I just get it in my hands. So I'm, I'm reading Dancing with Dragons. What do you think of it so far? So far, I like it a lot. I am not that far into it, um, but it is really interesting. And as I'm reading it, I'm I'm recalling that you said it was your first witchy book, and mm-hmm. I love that because it's it's really not what I would consider a like first base beginners a beginner level book, right? And I'm like, <laughs> it's wow, not. He's dove in. <laughs> <laughs> well, the picture on the front was so pretty. <laughs> It was much better than it is now, actually. It used to be like a lavender-colored book with oh. dragons on it. But that would get me, too, I think, if I was a yeah. pretty Pretty books are great also. Yeah. So, Frankie, I just saw you pouring yourself something to drink. What are you drinking? I'm drinking coffee, and today I'm drinking it black because that's the mood for today, black coffee. <laughs> Sounds good. Nice. Sounds good. You have anything good today, Margo? I do. Look at the color. Wait, you can't see the color. Maybe you can see the color. Ooh, it's like purpley. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like a very, it's almost like a burgundy, but it's clear. Um, it's Rainbow Road. Um, I said that I was going to be drinking Rainbow Road last time, but I had a day and I was drinking coffee instead. So I have Rainbow Road from um, Backwoods Brews and Botanicals. Mm. And Ooh, that's a really good one. I love that yeah, one. It actually tastes fantastic, and it tastes extra good in my my clusterfuck mug. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so as you can see behind me, I have a family, and I record in my house, <laughs> so we have background noise all the time. And uh, my dogs uh, are very excited because my husband just came home. So you're going to hear that a little bit. Sorry about that. All good. What are you drinking, Amberly? Um, a, a guilty pleasure. I'm drinking Orange Crush. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I just need a little taste of childhood, you know? Mm. Uh, a couple weeks ago, it was Strawberry Crush. This week, it's Orange Crush. Mm. Usually, it's tea, but today, it's Orange Crush. I have a confession. I have never drank Crush before in any flavor. <sighs> That hurts a little bit. I didn't know that Strawberry Crush existed until Amberly said something to me about it. I was like, what's that? I I don't know where I've Is been. Is it like a soda question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like like Fanta, but, uh, but better. better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got it. And Grape Crush is pretty good, too. 
I've heard good things about Grape Crush. Yeah. And to be honest, um, strawberry and Grape Crush don't taste like strawberry or grape. They taste like red and purple. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, That sounds delicious. (laughs) They are delicious. So that's what I'm drinking today. Margo, you want to start with a question? You want me to go in? Uh, yeah, you can go in. All right. So um, our last episode, Frankie, uh, was about daily practices, mm-hmm. uh, things that we do every day to keep ourselves in touch with our practice. Um, do you have anything that you do daily as part of your, your daily devotional or whatever? Yeah. So surprisingly, I have a couple things. One of the things I do is I take care of my plants, which may seem like a very small thing, but they all are so, they all need their own stuff. So it's like a misting process, a checking their soil. I do love bringing my plants in the shower with me because I shower sometimes, like every other day, as amazing sometimes. But um, they like humidity. So I bring them in the shower. We have a shower plant party. That's one of my nice. main things. That's like fun. It is so much fun. <laughs> you got to get the like tropical humidity plants, ivy, prayer plant. They love the shower. That's amazing. Apart from that, I think, I mean, I try to do a little bit of grounding every day. I try to refill offerings every day. I keep some stuff on my ancestor altar because they're a little picky. And I've recently taken up doing some form of prayer to St. Mary every day. So whether it's a rosary, the memorare, um, a Hail Mary, I tend to try to. I love Mary. Yeah. I love Mary too. That's great. She's wonderful. She's usually on my altar, but my candle ran out. So I... this is my favorite one though, I think. Is it this one? Yeah. Oh yeah. I got to refill it though. I love that. I've been learning um, so much more about her outside of the perspective of the Catholic church that I was raised in Mm -hmm. and how approachable she is and how there are so many aspects of her that are available. And it's incredible because it's like re-embracing something that I long, long time ago ran away from, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like feel is like coming full circle. I love that. Yeah, Mary's. I could. I could honestly talk about Mary for hours, and I don't want to do. I don't want to <laughs> burden you guys with that. But the best, some of the best branches of folk magic in you know Mexican American folk magic and Italian American are the Marian branches, which it's like they are Mary venerators, and Mary is the primary saint they work with. They forget about Joseph. They forget about Jesus. They're like, hey, Mary, what's up? Mm-hmm. Um, but even then the old kind of worship of her intertwined so much with goddess worship and Mm -hmm. it's crazy. There was a, especially different Madonnas in different places. I mean, I'm an Italian folk practitioner, so I know mostly about the Italian ones, but that goes past even in different, um, South American and Central American nations. Mary took the place of a goddess that came before her. That is really interesting. And that is, it does seem to be the way all things go. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was raised by an Italian stepdad, um, Mm -hmm. but he was Catholic. So I'm actually not very familiar with uh, Italian folk 
practices. Um, is there anything about that that you'd like to share or any major characteristics that define it? Yeah, yeah. Folk, Italian folk magic is interesting because you'll hear a lot of people refer to it sometimes as stregeria, but they're not necessarily the same thing. Stregeria okay. is kind of a reconstructionist tradition is how I characterize it. The term <laughs> stregeria comes from Gramassi and elite Charles Leland. Which okay. I, if I ever see Gramassi, it's on site. I will fight him. <laughs> I know he's passed away, and that's really bad to say. But he created a new tradition and said it was the old world way of witchcraft. Oh, said okay. it was Italian witchcraft. And then a bunch of folk practitioners said, "That is, what are you talking about? This is we've never seen this in our lives. What is right. this?" So what I do is very much characterized by a ancestral veneration, a land veneration, animism, as well as the spells that I perform, the things that I do have to do a lot with necessity because that was how it was characterized in the rural traditions, which is where folk magic, folk magic is from in the rural areas of Italy. Right. Um, it was primarily done by women. Primarily it was midwifery. It was, you know, praying over a candle for seven days to see who you would marry. Divination. And the other big kind of part of it is Molokio or the evil eye, which is like, it's our big superstition. You only, you'll hear every Italian person be like, oh, you can't say that, you'll get the mok. Like, you're going to have an eye cast on you. So they're kind of not necessarily tenets because folk magic is so widespread, but mm -hmm. we all kind of have the same superstitions to an extent or similar superstitions about the evil eye how you get it and what you should not do so you can avoid getting it and casting it on others that's really interesting and very similar to many other folk practitioners all around the world being born mm -hmm. out of necessity and being very very tied to the land that they come from mm -hmm. uh, i like that and uh i learned something new about grimasi <laughs> he pulled a gardener basically and I, I, because I know people recommend his books and he's great. He has some books that I really like, but he wrote a book called Italian Witchcraft. And then he took Roman religion, Wicca and Leland and a little bit of Italian folk magic and said, this is everything that we used to do for generations. Uh, and we all said, what? Right. Rossi, please don't. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? <laughs> None of my questions are segued by that, but that's okay. <laughs> I was like, let me see if I can pick one that will go great with that. But that's not working. There's nothing better Sorry. than a great segue. When it just pops up, you're like, speaking of that. I know, right? I got nothing now. <laughs> um, so I know when you spoke to my daughter earlier, she asked you this, but I actually like this question. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any mundane things that you do in your life that you make magical? Like, for instance... When I make my coffee in the morning, I specifically pick a mug that is going to set the tone for my day. Yeah. So my my coffee making is kind of my my morning, well, my first magical act. I love that for many reasons. One, because I feel like it's a really genius idea to use a mug to set the mood for the day. I may try that. But primarily what, what I do is I do a lot of walks. There's a trail right behind my house. It's, you know, walking is very mundane, but I'm usually talking to the plants, talking to the land. I like to see the herd of deer that we have back there. Sometimes they come down and you get to see all of them. I also tend to make cleaning a very magical thing. 
especially in terms of my room, my sacred space, my altar. Sometimes I'll throw salt into the four corners of my room and sweep it up, which is another like Italian folk magic thing. But cleaning to me is an act of cleansing. So cleaning my room, cleaning my space, cleaning body. So when I shower, that becomes a spiritual act as well, especially because I have a shampoo with, I think, sulfur in it. And sulfur, 10 out of 10, great for banishing, great for protection. It's because I have like dandruff. They put sulfur in dandruff shampoo. But great ingredients for a good little protective spell for the top of your head. That's actually a great idea. Yeah, I like that. I have to say my showers are usually strictly utilitarian. (laughs) I like to take a a good uh, skin-friendly anointing oil. And just mm-hmm. put some drops in a, you know, a bath gel or a shampoo. Um, Wait, that's really smart. Yeah, it's an easy way to just get it all over. Yeah. <laughs> I am showering wrong. <laughs> well, but because I have this, I have HS and I can't, I have to be like fast in the shower because. Mm-hmm. In and out. Yeah, the, the heat of the water, like doesn't help. <laughs> so see, I was just thinking that I'm jealous that I can't shower with my plants because I like pretty much if my skin isn't about to blister, then it's not hot enough. And I, <laughs> and I, I wouldn't inflict that on my poor plants, but I'm like, could I do lukewarm just so my plants could party with me in the shower? I shower hot with my plants Oh, and they okay. are okay, but that's only, it's mostly because I hang, my ivy is the kind of temperate climate one that doesn't love the super hot water. So I'll hang her kind of away from the stream of water. And the other two will get either put underneath it because they're tropical plants, like full-blown jungle plants, or they'll get put up high so the steam hits them, but you can position it so the steam, they get all the steam and the humidity without any of the hot water too. Nice. I'm going to try some stuff this week. <laughs> yeah, I might add some anointing oils to my, my co-wash or something. You can do some powder, too. Throw some powder in your shampoo or like a little bit of... I, yeah. I, I got to find a good anointing oil. I don't have many. So Margot and I are book nerds, mm-hmm. pretty much. <laughs> I don't know if that was like, <laughs> who are you calling a nerd look? <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I'm just like, yeah. (laughs) Um, So a lot of our questions are usually about books. So what is your favorite witchy book? (gasps) That's a really hard question. Oh, I got to think about it. See, I have different books that I love for different areas of witchcraft. And someone, it was like, this happened the other day. Someone's like, hey, I want a book or comment that was like, hey, I want a really good, like, overall witchcraft book. And I go, okay, history, folklore, which path are you on? What region do you want? They said, oh, I don't know, history and folklore. And I go, okay, what region? And they're like, uh, Ireland. And I'm like, okay, here you go. Norse, here you go. I can't, I can't just say this is my favorite, but you can give us like a favorite. (laughs) Yeah, we, we won't cry because we'll write them all down and we'll read them. <laughs> uh, Italian Magic Secret Lives of Women by Karen Crisis okay. was the book that changed my practice when I read it. Because that is like I read Raven Gramassi's Italian Witchcraft. I'm like, this isn't what my ancestors did. This isn't the practice I'm supposed to be doing. I read Italian Magic and I'm like, oh, my God, I found it. This is what my ancestors were doing. This is it. It's got some great conversation about early goddess worship, midwifery, um, 
rural regional practices in different parts of Italy. And the best part is it's all taken from like primary sources. The author went for five years to Italy in the summer and interviewed healers and uh, women there, which is like chef's kiss. I love it. I think if I'm going to go more than one, a few other favorites I think are Utterly Wicked by Dorothy Morrison because it's hard to find a good book on hexing and I'm trying to gain and find more. But that one was like, I have so many post-it notes in it, at least 50 of different places. And my final one is anything by Aidan Walker, who wrote Six Ways. Yes. I love him so much. He wrote Six Ways. I read it and I'm like, oh my God, Aiden, you're a genius. Like, this is so good. And I love anything of his. I'll promote it any day, anytime. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. Those are all good recommendations. So I have heard you do interviews before on podcasts. Um, You interview great, by the way. So I was just wondering, is there a question that you wish people would ask you or people don't ask you often enough? Oh my God, that's a really good question. I think that my favorite questions are the ones that are like, what is something you wish you knew as a beginner? Or what is something, even um, Amberly's daughter was asking, what is something that you would do different if you had this different set of information? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I love those questions. It It allows me to look at kind of where I am, what I could change, as well as maybe some mistakes that I've made in the past. Right. And to me, those mistakes are important. I like talking about my mistakes because it helps other people learn and it allows me to be like, haha, remember when that happened? <laughs> Everyone wants to know my opinion on TikTok or what it's like being a content creator, which I don't mind talking about, but I definitely talk about it a lot. Right. <laughs> but I love talking about the kind of little bits and pieces of my practice that you don't see as well as the mistakes I make. Absolutely. I think I definitely learned more from my mistakes than I have from my giant out of control book collection. You know, as as much as I cherish and treasure my books, it's mm-hmm. it's the faux pas that that really teach sometimes. Yeah. Funny how that uh, echoes in life, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so that is a good segue for my next question. I know magical. <laughs> It worked. (laughs) What is your most used or like your must have tool or herb or substance in your cabinet that you have to have at all times? I honestly think at this point, it's probably the like rue, the plant as well. Mm -hmm. Because I have like, I have a rue cologne, I have rue water, I have rue in plant form, I have rue in an herb bundle. And I tend to rely on her pretty heavily for so many things, right up next to rosemary and mugwort. Those are my kind of big three. Nice. But I do not go anywhere without a little pouch of rue. I like, you can burn her for everything. Mm -hmm. She is very stinky. Every time I burn her, my mom can smell it through the vents and she goes, are you smoking weed? And I go, no, I'm not. It's just this. And she's like, stop. I'm like, you're going to, your father's going to think you're doing drugs. And I'm like, it's just a plant. (laughs) I love Ruth. So protective. Oh yeah. Very banishing, warding off evil, the whole nine yards. Nice. Good choice. I actually recently sent some rue to a couple friends. We have a we have a, a whole group of fellow witches that we Marco Polo with. 
we mm. all met at a retreat uh, last year, or it's, it hasn't been quite a year yet. And we jumped on Marco Polo after the retreat was over with. And we've been talking to each other every single day since then. So we, we fondly refer to each other as a coven. And I mentioned something about Rue and two of them were like, what is that? And I was like, oh, I'm sending you some. Don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. I'm like, you'll know it arrived because you'll get a package that smells. <laughs> She's a little stinky. I save her for my very intense, like if I think there's something in my space with a spiritual attachment that's not supposed to be there, I bust out the room. Right. That's what I do. Right. It's, it's so great. It's so good. Uh, how about you, Margo? What is yours? My go-to, are we, are we talking <laughs> herbs or whatever you want? Tools? Okay, yeah. so this this one's actually kind of silly, I guess. But, you know, it's I'm, I'm looking at it, so I'm just going to grab it. <laughs> Everything I do, my daily practice, spell work rit- rituals, any kind of workings requires lots of candle lighting, incense lighting, and on the rare chance that I actually decide that I'm going to even, you know, cast a circle, it turns into a fiasco because I have like a lighter in one hand and, you know, whatever I want to work with, whether it's just my fingers or a dagger or a wand in the other. And I'm just like, so I, I got this really fancy lighter and oh gosh. it's just this amazing long lighter that I, I refer to as like my fire wand because it's, <laughs> it's just I so pretty. <laughs> So as silly as it is, this thing is the thing that I use every single day. It's just a lighter, but it's like, it's got a place on my altar. You know, it's very important to me. If I lost it, I would lose it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I, uh, where did you get that lighter, Margo? Um, I ordered it from, it's a social light lighter and this company called social light makes like insanely fancy long lighters for crazy tauruses like me nice <laughs> i'm also a crazy taurus <laughs> i love tauruses yeah. if you don't mind my asking what are your sun moon and rising oh i am i'm a leo sun and aries moon and aquarius rising I love earth signs because I'm like all fire and water and a tiny bit of air. So I need the nice grounding energy in my uh-huh. life. Aries. I'm an Aries moon as well. I'm an Aries rising. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I The Aries rising and moon placements, 10 out of 10. My absolute favorite. Nice. Very nice. Amberly, so what's your uh, tool that you can't go without or item, ingredient? Probably my stove. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because so much of my practice is food. Yeah. My stove. I like to cook. I am definitely a kitchen witch. What's your favorite thing to cook? Bread. I love baking bread. Okay. (laughs) She made this dill bread. We had a meet, the people that I was just discussing on Marco Polo, we, uh, the, the, those of us that actually live on the East Coast, a little mm-hmm. bit north, met um, the day before the spring equinox and just hung out together all day. And she mm-hmm. brought this dill bread that she made at my house. We were all drunk off of bread. Just <laughs> bread what? drunk. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. So good. So good. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, they kept asking me what I put in it. Like if I put weed in it. And I was like, Mm-mm. it's just no. 
absolutely delicious. They all got yeah. schnockered. Yeah. I put love bread. in it. I have to go love. sit down and be quiet for love a while. I just you. had some bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, bread is definitely one of my very, very favorite things to make. Because mm-hmm. um, it feels magical. And like when you're kneading it. You're like putting your energy in and it's such a basic thing. Yeah. Also, it's amazing. Sounds really good. <laughs> so <laughs> we're all, now, all three of us are nodding at each other a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have to remind <laughs> like, myself yeah. like nobody can hear the nodding. Nobody can hear the nodding. <laughs> um, so Frankie, we do um, we do a spell every episode. Have you decided what you want to share with our listeners? Can I share like my after shower routine? Because the shower is like a cleansing for me. But I go in with some, I like to use whatever kind of oil I'm feeling for that day. And I put it on my neck, my feet. You got to put the feet and then the hands. My go-to right now is this Payala Troll Oil. It's by Hoxon. It's this protection oil that smells. I wish you could smell it through the screen. It smells like a Swedish forest. Oh, wow. And it's my, it's so good. It's some people say it smells like a burning forest, but it's got like birch tar, clove, lavender, galab, I can't read that one, peppermint, cloudberry seed oil, and beeswax. So this goes on the hands up here and the feet. I also got their cleansing oil. Oh, which smells nice. like tobacco and moss so i'm also a fan that sounds great we'll have to get the information for those so we can put them on our resources page because we love to link to any of the you know products that we talk about especially if we can help support support anyone who is crafting these amazing products oh yeah yeah for sure that's great so why those three places Um, so almost, it's almost for the hands and the feet, I think the idea is to like protect the things that are touching a lot. Your feet are constantly touching the ground. They're collecting everything. They're carrying you. Your hands are throughout the day doing everything. Those kind of ideas I think are pretty present in folk magic of cleansing the hands and the feet Mm -hmm. or protecting the hands and the feet. Some will do the heart area as well. Um, a lot of folk remedies or the Malachio kind of folk remedy will do the forehead the um, heart and the back of the neck. So sometimes I'll do that as well. But I do up here mostly because um, pulse points and also I can smell it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind sure. of my like happy spot. I'm like, oh, I can smell it for the rest of the day. I'm very excited. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love that. I can appreciate the smell thing. When I, after I wash my hair, I'm always doing this. And by this, sorry, listeners, I'm putting my hair <laughs> over my nose. <laughs> When I use anointing oils, I tend to do my forehead, my, I know this is weird, my lips, Mm -hmm. my chest and my hands. And when Mm -hmm. I do that, I say thoughts, speech, feelings, actions. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm realizing I'm ignoring my feet. The feet are very important. Yeah. They carry you everywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. So would that also be actions? Probably, huh? Mm Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be considered. It would be considered actions too. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you want it's a you step in things uh, sometimes that you don't mm-hmm. want to carry with you. So it's mm-hmm. getting it off. I yeah. yeah, I have a dog. I step in things I want to carry with me all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Yeah. I have two dogs. I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have three and two of them are very well house trained. And the third one has just never got it. I mean, she tries, but she tries. I mean, the thoughts she, there. Yeah. The spirit. But sometimes she just forgets. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Happened today, actually. Oh, no. Yeah. Thank God she's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You hear that, Roxanne? I don't know where you are. Oh. Yeah, that's what we tell her all the time. Thank God you're pretty. So I wanted to ask you uh, a question about your book. Mm-hmm. So in part four, which is titled Understanding Ourselves and Our Shadow in a Global Sense, mm-hmm. uh, there's a chapter titled Desettling and Decentering the Craft, which mm-hmm. I think this is a really important topic. Would you care to elaborate a little bit on that? You don't have to say too much. But if you have any words. Yeah, I mean, the original idea behind desettling and decentering was to give a or start a conversation, not even start a conversation, but point people to voices of women of color who've been having this conversation for a long while. Within that chapter, you'll find a lot of quotations by Ruth Hopkins is one who's Lakota and Sue. Uh, Laura E. Perez. Love Laura E. Perez. One of my absolute favorite authors. I believe you'll find a few other ones as well. A lot of them are theoretical approaches as well as a whole list of books that you should read when starting your desettling and um, decentering journey. A lot of this is not necessarily my words, but the words of those who matter just repeated in a format in which more people will read it because I'm white. So they right. get my book and they're like, wow, look at this. Yeah, I think it's extremely important. And it's actually one of the things that I admire about the younger members of the community. Uh, Amberly and I are a little bit older than you, just a tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> I consider myself an elder millennial and uh, Amberly pretty much rejects the title of millennial or Gen Y altogether. Mm-hmm. But I do admire younger community members because they are having the conversations that uh, many of the older communi- community members didn't have and are now willing to listen to and willing to be a part of. And I think that's great. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Do you typically notice any like obvious differences between older and younger members of the community in that area? That's a really good question. I would have to say that I'm probably not necessarily biased, but a lot of the people that I am around are within Gen Z or millennial age. Mm-hmm. I think my most of my friends are around my age. On the online sphere, I don't think TikTok is the best format to showcase people of different witchcraft generations. I feel like a right. lot of times TikTok attracts the kind of, not the best people. And I say that as someone who's on TikTok. Uh, sometimes it kind of draws in people and you're like, oh, why did you do that? What's going on? Does it? <laughs> there are certainly good people on TikTok. And I think that the conversations that are happening are important. And I think, I'm sure that there's somewhere Gen 
some Gen Zers harboring some disdain that the conversations took so long to happen. But I think that there are certain conversations that need to be had around how accepted witchcraft was in the bigger sphere, how accepted or how accepting white practitioners were to listen to people of color as well. Because mm-hmm. I think that our publishing industry is still very dominated by white people. We're just now kind of getting to the point where we're able to see more diversity in our voices, especially in publishing. Yes. And that very much affects who we consider an authority and who we want to listen to. And as a white practitioner, it's taken a lot of decentering my experience and desettling to consider people of color an authority in their own practices. And I think a lot of people are not quite there yet. But mm-hmm. that's the thing is they are. It's not necessarily like a book. If a book's written by someone who isn't necessarily of the minority that is dominating the practice I think in terms of like hoodoo if someone's writing a hoodoo book but it's a white cis man maybe we shouldn't be putting them in a position of authority to talk about a practice that has long been long a kind of African diasporic practice absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah I love that these conversations are being had yeah I enjoy having them (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that you're bringing that point of view to light. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. Oh, I thought I thought we were going to have a visitor. Oh. <laughs> that's what I was doing. A human visitor or uh, a canine visitor or otherwise? <laughs> uh, a human one. A human one. I always have the canine visitors. You just can't always see them. Chaka <laughs> sits under my desk and farts. Mm-hmm. All day long. Oh, well, now here's, here's a canine. I thought of something that I wanted to add to the little tidbit about com- the conversations that are happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah, I was sure. Say, um, I think part of the issue is that women of people of color, especially women of color, have been having these conversations and talking about this for much longer than most white people have. But we haven't necessarily been listening because I think in terms of like Laura E. Perez, who is one of the authors I quote in my book, she came out with a lot of her works in the 90s, like a while ago. And it's just now kind of being discovered by people. It's just now being listened to. In fact, Laura E. Perez's work was com- almost completely dismissed by white academics because she talked about spiritual activism. Um, wow. Yeah. And so I think my purpose isn't necessarily to have or at least be in charge of the conversations but rather to hold space for those who have been having the conversations for much Mm -hmm. longer than I have that's Um, amazing what I what I attempted to do in the book and I think I I hope I did a good job because I didn't want to say I'm hi I'm an American white practitioner this is my opinion on desettling I said these are the opinions that have been standing for super long have been around for a long time because women of color have certainly been at the forefront of a lot of feminist ideologies especially um, spiritual ideologies and they just tend to be ignored and shunned to the side and when white people kind of just repeat it. So giving the those who have been talking about this much longer than I have, giving them credit and giving them space for their work was the most important thing to me, at least in this book. That is amazing. I love that. And what you said about Laurie Perez's work, having been around since the 90s, but not really being recognized until recently, that is, is very reminiscent of my experience. Um, I'm Puerto Rican. And mm-hmm. when I first started seeking out 
spiritual occult books. Uh, there was nothing uh, even remotely relatable. Um, so I found myself in a lot of in a lot of places feeling not like I myself was the imposter, but that I was reading materials that weren't necessarily written for me. And it was very difficult to find anything otherwise. But now it's this whole world has opened up and it's incredible to be able to seek out authors like, I don't know, Juliet Diaz and, you know, uh, Ivo Dominguez Jr. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it's amazing. It's, it's truly amazing. It's, it's, it's beautiful that it's happening finally. So I love that so many people are, are holding space for that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. All right. So Margo, do you want to, um, do you want to pull us a card? I did. Well, I already pulled a card um, and I love it. Uh, so I pulled from the Pure Magic Oracle. I've heard really good things about that Oracle deck. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really, really love it. Um, it is by Andres Ingracia. Uh, and there's a forward by Judica Isles. I pulled Hallowed Heart. Hallowed Heart is veneration, sensuality, gentleness, and nakedness. I am holding up the card, unfortunately. <laughs> it is a very beautiful card. A woman lying on a hill, and you can see her heart, and there are beautiful red blooms sprouting from it. So I will read for Hallowed Heart. Can you say you work with courage when you are deep within the depths of darkness? Can you say you are worthy of devotion if you hesitate at the sight of your naked body in the mirror? Can you say you are powerful in your sensuality when you lay yourself down to sleep at night? A wise witch knows her worth from within as she basks naked under the moonlight glow. Her story is written in poems as lines along her curves and she surrenders to the waters of life and love. Maybe you relate to this woman or perhaps you feel you don't. But every being both male and female in the world has a feminine essence. And it is that very femininity that empowers the touch of creative intuition without gentle sensuality, all magic of love and affection become impotent of divinity and grace. Blessed is the being who cracks the heart open to release the ocean of love that wells within when combined with the energy of fire, you are ignited in the sacred force of womankind, unable to be drowned out. When combined with earth, you become the voice of brown mother with her children of trees, flowers, plants, unable to be cut down. When combined with air, you shift into divine sacred song created by the goddess, unable to be silenced or suffocated any longer. And then there's a little section called pure wisdom. It says there is power in vulnerability and wisdom in self-care. It is time to reclaim energy you have spent over the days and years and to restore your inner powers of youthful form. Your capacity to love the world is greater than even you thought possible. To feel the lion's roar within as he commands you to crack your heart open and let this moment seep into your bones. As you remember your magical worth in spirit and skin, so does the heart become holy. I feel like Diana is yelling at me a little bit. That felt like... <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, this is every single lesson I'm supposed to be learning right now. What a coincidence. <laughs> like side-eyeing the statue in the corner of my room. I love it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn, really? In front of other people? You had to do this, like, you had to do this right now? God. Yeah. Cards do that sometimes. Absolutely love it. 
Yeah, that was a good card. It was wonderful. It, it hit home for me too. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I feel may a go, little. May go cry later. It's okay. <laughs> Just let it all out. I'm in the bath with my plants. Cry. Just gonna snuggle her plants. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what i'm gonna do probably (laughs) that's funny yeah we like to we like to pull a card it's always a good thing to do so that we can feel horrible about ourselves (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we we can witch slap ourselves why else why else do you read tarot for yourself if not to absolutely ruin your day and call yourself out you know (laughs) guidance what no i just get yelled at yeah, I prefer to read for other people. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like, here, you have it. I don't want it. <laughs> I have a deck that I call my Mean Girls deck because almost every time I pull from it, it's like not nice. The back and it's it's, it's all women. Oh so, uh, yeah, Mean Girls. Sometimes cool. we need to be witch slapped. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whether we like it or well, we never like it. But I, I mean. It. I don't want to speak for everybody. Some of you might like it. I I don't know. <laughs> might be somebody's bag. It's okay. Like it a little <laughs> bit. So. Yeah. I'm not here to yuck on anybody's yum. <laughs> <laughs> My family says that. Yuck on people's yum. I didn't think anyone else said that. Oh, I love that. Oh That's my so God. funny. I'd never heard it until that moment just then. <laughs> Yep. It's when you're at dinner and you're looking at someone's food and you're like, I don't know if I could eat that. I feel a little grossed out. But you're like, you know what? I'm not going to yuck their yum. Yep. If they're enjoying it, let them enjoy it. So you don't yuck someone's yum. It goes for many, many different things. Interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that. I like it. Yeah. I might I might have to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Awesome. Well, um, thank you, Frankie, for coming to join us today. Yeah, oh thank gosh, you so course. much. Yeah, I had such a great time. You guys are and very th- sweet. So Thank are you. you for taking so a few you. minutes to speak with my daughter before we started recording. I really, really appreciate that. She was lovely and she was very sweet. Yeah, I think you made she, her year. Yeah, she was very nervous. That was really cute watching her. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, awesome. Well, congratulations on the publication of your new book. Yes. Thank you. Uh, when this airs, mm-hmm. the book will have been released. And I will have hoarded it and dove into it. <laughs> yeah, I think um, this will air on May 9th, I believe. Is okay. that what we decided, Margo? Yes. My yes. birthday. Is it your birthday? Well, I mean, on May 9th. On May 9th. Happy, happy early birthday over a month ahead. Ah, uh, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much. And it's been fantastic. Uh, it really has. It really has. It's been a great time. Yeah, thank and you thank you. Um, thank you listeners for coming to join us and we'll see you next time. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the hearth and hedge on our website at the And you can send us an email at the hearth and hedge at gmail.com. If you like our podcast, consider dropping us a like and or a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you.